and welcome back to the Following Jesus with Christ Church podcast. My name is Andrew Vandermoss, one of your hosts, along with Addison Hawkins. Hey, everyone. It's good to be together again. And we are coming to you, as we said that we would do periodically, uh, now that we've laid down sort of the rigid Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday schedule, we want to keep touching in over the course of the over the course of the summer, as things arise, and as you know, there has been much that has been on our national and local uh, agendas or news feeds over the last few days, um, and speaking specifically here of the death of George Floyd and kind of what that tapped into and the eruption of uh, protests and uh, riots across the country and in our own city over the course of uh, this last weekend. Uh, these are, are really difficult things to think about, to talk about, to get our minds around. Uh, as a community, as a church, what are some of the things that are called for from us? How do we even begin to approach it uh, in our lives and, and as a church community? All of these things are, are very, very challenging. So. Addison and I wanted to come together, not as the people with all the answers, but really to start a conversation uh, and share some resources, uh, begin to think through uh, what our response might be. I think that's that's accurate. I mean, we certainly aren't approaching this with, uh, you know, this is your one-stop shop for everything you need to know. In one sense, this came out of our just thinking about how and processing how can we be a part of this conversation what does it look like to enter in both individually but then also as we think corporately how does Christ Church uh, find itself uh, and, and navigate the conversation that's going on uh, not globally but here in Grand Rapids I mean this is you know as we'll, we'll talk about towards the end of this episode just the localness of of what's going on it Yes, what happened to George Floyd happened in a different city, in a different state, but it, it bubbled up something uh, that revealed that there really is pain here in Grand Rapids. We don't have to look too far. We don't have to get on the, the national or world news to see that there's pain, uh, but we can see the pain bubbling up in our own streets. And we've heard just because of our roles probably in the church and our communities, just various stories of people uh, lamenting and grieving, we came together uh, as a staff you know, a week ago or so and, and talked about just the pain we were feeling. And then many conversations from then to this point. And you can see that. I read an article this morning just from a local Grand Rapids uh, news outlet about people and the way they're processing processing this and the pain that they feel. Well, certainly there's something there. You call it a, a picked scab, you call it an open wound, you can call it whatever you want, but there is certainly pain that exists uh, right now in the incident, the really tragic and sad incident, the thing that we want to lament and grieve together that happened to George Floyd and many others has bubbled that out. For sure. For sure. Um, and it you know, obviously how one thinks about this and engages with it, it, so much is going to depend on your experience in life, where you grew up, where you went to school, 
uh, all of those things. Um, I know that's true for us. Our experience has been shaped by those things, but even by the way the Lord has put together our family. Mm. We have you know, five black children, um, one mixed. Uh, one of our black children grew up in Africa, which is a very different experience than mm. the black children that have grown up in the United States. Two of our children grew up in a very urban setting with you know, lots of sort of stereotypical hood type mm. living. So everything is very different and all those different experiences lend to that. And I think that's one of the challenges that we have is learning to stand in another in another's shoes and to hear their experience. I was encouraged or enlightened by a fellow PCA pastor uh, who wrote about how these events like George Floyd, like uh, Ahmad Aubrey or Michael Brown or Trayvon Martin. They just seems like the hits have kept coming over the last five years or so. But Russ Whitfield uh, writes very well. He says each of these events tap into a broader, more tragic, more painful story for people of color. Um, Please understand that every act of racial injustice, every episode of racism and race-based mistreatment takes on a symbolic status that brings to mind an entire network of historic injustices, sufferings, and the dehumanization of African Americans and other people of color. In the, midst of, in the minds of many black people, each racialized event serves as a heart-rending cipher for chattel slavery, Jim Crow, uh, historic church bombings, Klan terrorism, redlining, and many other wounds received personally and by family members of former generations. Each event reads like another chapter in America's commentary on my blackness, my worth, my status, my place in society. And it's not all that hopeful of a picture. This is an important voice for us to hear and reflects something of an experience that we may not have if we did not grow up in that way, a glimpse into a world that we didn't experience. So learning to listen is a big part of that. One other thing I think that's important to point out for those of us who are in Grand Rapids is that when Addison said a little bit earlier that the pain is here, it's not only in society touched in as we've just talked about, but it's here in Grand Rapids. Sometimes we think about the South being racialized. Mm. Addison and I both spent time in St. Louis, which is a very segregated city and, and racial tensions have a long history there. Of, of being at a boiler point. Um, but Grand Rapids has its own history of that. One of the resources that was helpful to me was a book entitled A City Within a City by Todd Robinson. Uh, it's subtitled The Black Freedom Struggle in Grand Rapids. And, and while we are a northern city and we don't have some of the overt racism that we've seen in some of our southern cities, there has definitely been sort of a secondary or a subvert uh, racism that's existed here. Uh, previously, Russ mentioned redlining. I 
think many of us are aware that we have quite a history of redlining in Grand Rapids. And some of that even carries on today, if not overtly, but tacitly. So what does that mean? How does that inform our story? Uh, these are hard things for us to, to grapple with, and, and maybe we haven't even thought of it. And I know for some people, it's like, what? Are you saying I'm guilty of this? Are you saying that, you know, I'm to blame? I don't think it's that easy. Right. No, it certainly isn't. I mean, there is a, it may call it human nature, call it whatever you want, but there's a, a feeling we all get where we just want to keep things simple, right? You've heard, you know, keep it simple. Uh, but it's just not that simple when we're talking about uh, whether it be overt racism or the subversive racism that we find or in our local context. We have to avoid simplicity. I mean, you even mentioned earlier the complexity of your own family, right? right? There's just so much complexity that exists uh, street by street, neighborhood by neighborhood, workplace. You know, Grand Rapids, it's easy to, to say, you know, and, and we see it and we probably tell our friends about it. It has a background. Yeah, but that's just not all of it, though. There's so much more to it. And look, I'm new, right? I can still categorize myself as a new person to Grand Rapids. I've only been here less than four years, coming on four years in July. So I still have a lot to learn about some of that history and some about about some of the things that have existed in Grand Rapids that are influencing what's happening right now. But suffice it to say, we can't just look at it and say, well, we're not in the South. We're a Northern state. Well, this didn't happen in Grand Rapids, but certain things have happened in Grand Rapids. And there is a history of those things, subversive uh, or overtly, that exist here in our own city that we have to uh, take a step back and just understand, listen to. Uh, a book like that would be a great resource for us to engage and to think through, you know, what has existed and where have we come from to see where we are now and how we can speak into that cultural moment. For sure. And it doesn't necessarily mean, I mean, I read a lot of books and it's an occupational hazard. <laughs> uh, I like to read and maybe that was part of what drew me to the occupation, but I don't agree with everything right. that that I read. And, and we certainly don't have to agree with everything that we read. This is, I think, one of the challenges, you know, part of the, the racialized tensions that we have seen erupt have come in the midst of the coronavirus and yep. segmentation. We've had a large online life and of course, our, our Facebook feeds and other things, we have algorithms that send us stuff that we agree with. And, and so we can really get into a monolithic way of, of seeing things or understanding things. But, but part of the challenge for us is to really listen. Yeah. Um, you've said before, Addison, and uh, I've heard Francis Schaeffer or read him talk about, you know, when he meets an unbeliever, and he has an hour with him. He wants to spend 55 minutes listening and five minutes talking. I, I feel like my tendency, and, and I, I think it's across our, our country, we want to reverse that. We mm. want to find 55 minutes shouting down the mm. other person uh, about how right we are and the things that we see and this and that and the other thing. 
and we really miss an opportunity to listen and learn and, and perhaps grow. Yeah, I think that, that that's such a good point. You know, earlier in the summer, we, we did a, a podcast, a two-episode podcast called A Rhetoric of Love. And, and if you haven't listened to it, I would I would recommend that you go back and, and take a listen. I think it was really on point. I and mean, that was some of the things we talked about then, too, is just, you know, we're so quick to say what we think, right? And I think a lot of it is this sort of concoction of things that have been going on at least recently um, and we feel like we have something we we want to get out there and we want to post it without really stopping and thinking about well, what's the type of language that I'm using you know is it as simple as I'm making it out to be and, and I, you know I just again I think it'd be good to go back these things are certainly connected the way we listen and the way we talk and um, I saw, sure. Yeah, I saw that we had put on here, define the terms, and that is a big part of how we right. are to avoid simplicity, right? Yeah. And I think of this bibliography, the, the resources that we're going to put in the show notes, we'll talk about some here and there. Um, a lot of it is doing that. It's helping us broaden our perspective and help us right. see this from different angles, right. Christian and non-Christian. Yeah, more, more nuance. I've had a great opportunity just in the last couple of days to talk with a member at Christ Church who's been on the front lines as a Wyoming police officer, was downtown Saturday night during the riots, was uh, there during other coordinated efforts to suppress riots in, in the subsequent evenings. And it, it was just interesting hearing from a police officer um, mm-hmm. who shared that, you know, when he looks at the events of the things happening in, that happened in Minnesota with those police officers and George Floyd, he says, we as officers are the first ones to say those things were out of line. They shouldn't happen. And yet it seems like so much of the narrative is uh, all police officers are bad. And, and that's just simply an unnuanced way. We always want to find the bad guy. Mm. And, and I think part of it, honestly, is if we can find the bad guy and he's not us, mm. and he thinks differently or she thinks differently than us, then, then we are, by extension, the good guys. Right. And, and we don't bear any blame for this. And that's just a, something that we really need to resist. It's a, it's a very nuanced situation. My friend was sharing with me just some of the details of how things go. They would have intel that a certain person is, is carrying a gun and uh, that they were a threat to that situation. And so they, he recounted a, a, a story where actually he and another officer pursued a person person ran, got away. Uh, As it was being reported on the news situation, they said, look at these officers just going after a person standing there peaceably. Well, the media didn't have the information that that person was armed, had been a threat in the past, and was a threat at that present moment. So we just can't assume that we have all the information. Yeah, I think that's good. It is so good for us to have our eyes opened and our ears open to these sorts of different perspectives. Again, like we've said, it's so easy just to get into a monolithic uh, response to this. In saying that, you know, we don't just want to listen just to listen, right? right? Because the gospel does call us to respond. For sure. And there is a gospel response that needs to be there. Now, we have to be careful that we don't just respond without 
good information, without processing, without thinking about our own complicity in all of this and, and some of these things in terms of our own prejudices, right? I mean, I think of Psalm 139, such a great psalm. We come right. back to you time and time again. You've probably heard us say it, but, you know, search my heart and know me. Know if there's any grievous way in me and lead me in the life everlasting. Yeah. That might be the Addison standard version, but it's pretty close. <laughs> but so you get the idea, right? We've got to start and look at our own heart. I mean, Romans is very clear that there is darkness in us, that we have sin in us, that because of the fall, because of Adam and his complicity and sin that happened early in Genesis, we need to take an inward look. So we can't just respond for response's sake. But the gospel, again, does call us to a response. Yeah, and I would even put it this way. It, it really invites us to a yeah, response. That's great. Yeah, that's good. You know, especially that the whole repentance thing. You know, part of what I've learned as I've gone in my grown in my Christian life is that it, it's not necessarily that I'm sinning less and less, but I I see my sin, but I also see just the the great joy and the great grace that there is in the gospel. And that, I think sometimes some of the conversations we have with different people, because, you know, our life has exposed the way Lisa and I bringing in adoption, the various uh, things that we have been involved in that have crossed socioeconomic racial lines has exposed so much in my heart. Mm. And I think the gospel really frees me to say that is there, but Jesus loves me despite that, through that. I mean, his grace so abounds to me. I think so much of it, so often when when we're afraid of that, um, we're we're really trying to merit our own salvation. Hmm. We're trying to say to God, either implicitly or explicitly, I deserve your love. And the reality is, and this is good news, right? right. This is good news yeah. is we don't deserve yeah. that, yeah. but we receive it based on what Christ has done. So, yeah. And, you know, do you take that even a, a step further, you know, going back to Edmund Burke and others, the only thing that evil needs to triumph is for good people to do nothing. Right. Uh, and we've, you know, Martin Luther King was junior, was famous for that during the, the days of civil rights. Like the, the progress of evil is helped most by people staying on the sidelines. And that's right. just not something that we can do. We, we have to respond. Now, what does that look like? Right. I, I don't think we know. I right. think that there is a sense in which these days between COVID between the racial tensions that have erupted, have just shown a light that said the way things were in February Hmm. can't be the way that things are exactly as we go forward. That our lives need to change, that the way that we think about church, the way that we interact with other brothers and sisters in Christ in the city, all of these things that we need to grow in these things. And I think that that is right on. I mean, at no point in church history, and, and you know, I'm not the most qualified person to talk about this, did did something of this form happen, a, a shift in, in a culture uh, because of, of tensions that existed due to, you know, some sort of pestilence or some sort of uh, social uh, inequality 
inequality that was raised up in different things, did the church just go back to where they were before? I mean, they changed, they shifted, right. they reformed, they they grew. And I think that we have to do the same thing. We can't, it would be foolish for us to say, we're going to go back to what we were doing in January, February of 2020 as we move out of these things, right? right? We have to grow. Uh, that's our call as Christians. We follow Christ, right? And so how do we do that? Well, again, like we said, we don't have the answer right. and we just want to start that conversation. And a part of the things that a part of how we want to do that is is putting together a resource list of good things to read, to listen to, to engage with, but also to challenge us to think about our local context first, right? It's so easy, as we've mentioned a few times, just to get online and to think globally and, and to look at things that are happening uh, even in our own country, but in different cities, whether it be Washington, D.C., or in Minneapolis, or in different parts of the South, and maybe even for me, and, and maybe even Andrew, looking at our old place where we used to live in St. Louis, like what are the, what's going on there and, and missing the opportunities locally because we all live on a street. Right. We all live in some form of a community and we all do worship at Christ Church or most of us that are listening to this do. And we have some form of a local community where we can start just engaging with our neighbors. Uh, maybe it's a person of color on our on our street or in our workplace or in our, our daily lives. Maybe we go to a Starbucks or a different grocery store that has someone there we can just begin to listen in those places yeah and i and i think the easiest way to do that i know for a lot of people you know i'm sort of an extrovert i, I i'm it, it's not hard for me to yeah, meet right. strangers and, and different things some of you that's a, a little bit more challenging but people love to talk about themselves yep. and and just asking questions like Hey, that must have been a really tough weekend. You know, how are you feeling about it? What what has been your experience? I'd love to learn and grow from you. Again, that gets us into that mode of listening. Yep. And you don't have to have the answers, uh, but just that sense of care, that sense of willingness to enter into their world. Um, will be a great encouragement to folks. Yeah. I know that that was one of the things that I've been doing, been reaching out to different folks who are part of my circles, people of color and others, and, and just saying, hey, these are, these are tough things. I want you to know that I am praying with you. And, um, and, and it's just, just that sense of care Yep. is 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 reciprocated and, and appreciated yeah uh, that is right on I mean just thinking about our own engagement you know I there's a couple of people that I tend to go back to and the, I'll just they can remain nameless just because they haven't given me permission to share that but just their experience as a person of color and the different stories they share uh, with me personally and and they put it out on Facebook and other places has been really helpful for me because it takes me out of my own context and my own perspective and how I would think about something and it just gives me an opportunity to listen and to learn and but there's also an invitation to engage and, and to be a part of that conversation so that's what we want to do we just want to be a part of that conversation again because we think the gospel invites us to be a part of that and so we don't want to individually or as a church just sit back and, and let this kind of carry on and then respond maybe two three four weeks from now 
but rather to just enter in and to be a part of that. And we would welcome that too. Maybe you haven't figured out how to process it yet. Just reach out. We'd be happy, Andrew and I, mm-hmm. uh, Brian, other staff members to just really work through and listen and talk about this and maybe help you think about how you can engage sure. and, and enter into it. And in all things, and just moving towards close here, we want to keep our eyes on Jesus. I want to read to you just a, a couple of words, actually, that my my wife put down, uh, Lisa, uh, recently and shared uh, through a couple of different mediums. Um, she 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 does she says this, and and maybe this can be a good close for us, and even a prayer as we go out. The only thing I'm sure of is the one person who did have it figured out and who walked the perfect life of mercy and justice was Jesus. Jesus, teach me your ways. Forgive me for straying from them and forming my own ways. Keep me in your word, leaning on the true truth and off of media that supports whatever I'm feeling today. Keep me from living like the people in the days of the judges when everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Give me a heart that seeks to bring your kingdom values here on earth as it will be in heaven. Make me the first repenter of sin and anger and judgment that is in my own heart, for it's just as ugly as the rioters that I see on TV. And thank you, Jesus, for that hope of shalom that will surely come because of the taunting that you took, the violence you endured, and all of the sin of all of these events that we are seeing that was paid for on the cross. How did you endure it? You knew that all lives mattered. Please, teach us to love like you do. And to that, I would just say amen. Yeah. And, and let me just encourage you, uh, wherever you might be as you're listening, uh, that the, the gospel is bigger than these things that we are seeing, experiencing, uh, that God hasn't lost control of his world, uh, that we were on plan A and now suddenly we've been <laughs> track switched over to plan B. Now God is still on his throne. He is still supreme. He's still sovereign and he's still good. Mm. He's our loving heavenly father. Uh, so may you take comfort and encourage in that, uh, encourage in that even as we seek to go forward together. So thank you for joining us uh, for Addison. Amen. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, Goodbye, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. We're glad you checked us out. If you want more from Christ Church, you can find us at our website. It's ChristChurchGR.org. That's ChristChurchGR.org. While you're there, check out the Staying Connected During COVID-19 page for more resources, our home worship guide, the latest podcast, and other ways to stay connected. You can find this podcast on many of your regular podcasting apps, or that is through Apple iTunes or the Google Play Store. If you enjoyed this content, please consider giving us a rating and a review. Also, sharing this episode with a friend or family member is a great way to keep them connected. We're so glad you checked in. We'll see you next time.